hey, when when it's 4.59 and you're like, oh, it's almost five o'clock, I could call this prospect and make a sell or I can just go and, and have some fun and do whatever. What's the trickle effect of that? You make that call at 4.59, you sign that client. All of a sudden, our operations team has another client who is making TSEG more money, who's allowing us to hire more people and pay our operations more and bonus more and, and help their lives out. And all of a sudden, that operations person that worked late because of the client that you signed is getting a bonus, which is helping her family, allowing them to raise a family, buy a house. Welcome to the Tip to Skills podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LARIC. Today, I am joined by Chris Massaro, who is technically a competitor, but I swear we're better. And we are discussing Mass Torts. It's my first episode in Mass Torts, so I'm super excited to have him. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Chris Massaro, you should feel special. You're a vendor, you're a competitor, and here you are. Before we talk about Mass Torts, tell us your name, title, where you work, whatever. But then I want to hear how you got hired. This is a this is a good one, and it's Joe Devine for those of you who know him. The favorite story. I love Joe. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, so I'm Chris Massaro. I run TSCG. Uh, I'm the CEO. That's that's the title. Um, but we aren't the biggest fans of titles. We all work with each other. Like I, if you ever hear me say, "No, that person works for me," just punch me in the face, please. Um, but how I got hired. Um, Short end of the story is good old Dave and Buster's. Uh, 12 years ago, Joe Devine came in with his sales team on a Tuesday morning that I was not supposed to work. And we got to take it back a little bit. Uh, we had our employee appreciation night before that. Keep in mind, I was 22, had just graduated college, had a little fun. Um, so much fun that I was dry heaving in the shower the morning before my shift. And I was like, there's zero chance I'm going to work today. <clears throat> the only thing that got me through it was it's a Tuesday morning at Dave and Buster's. Who's going to be there, right? Like, I'll just go in and suffer for five hours. I go in, 30 minutes into it, Joe Devine comes in with 20 rowdy salespeople and jack and diet, jack and diet, jack and diet. And, and Dave and Buster's is not a small place. So I'm sprinting around this place, delivering drinks working my ass off, sweating out the alcohol from the night before. And I think that goes to show you that no matter what you're doing, work your ass off uh, because you never know what's going to happen. If if I would have half-assed that and... Or called in sick. Called in sick or, you know, not d did everything I can to make sure Joe and his sales team had a good time, there's no way he would ever came up to me afterwards, gave me a huge tip and said... You should come in for an interview and work with us. You're not doing the story justice. Why? Because I heard it the other day. Didn't he ask you first if you were hungover? No, not first. He when when uh, when he closed out, he ran up crazy amount of money for Dave and Buster's. He still probably does. And <laughs> when he closed out, he just looks me dead in the eyes and he goes, "You're hungover, aren't you?" And I was just like, "You have no idea." <laughs> um, and he still says to this day that he would not have hired me if I lied. But that's Joe. I mean, he, but I think that I mean, of course. Why? Why would he? Because then you're not trustworthy. Yeah, and he, I mean, Joe is a great judge of character. He is great at reading people, and he's great this at is why him and supporting I get along people. So well. 
Yeah. Because so the first time I met you guys, you guys were like my first conference friends. And I remember it was NTL. I met you first and then you brought Joe. And then right away we became friends. And like Joe went to San Diego like two weeks later. And me, him, one of uh, the other owners of TSEG and my husband went out to lunch. Yeah. I mean, everyone who knows Joe loves him. I mean, he's he's full of life. Uh, I think his biggest, you know, his biggest trait, I guess, is the fact that he cares so much about other people. Um, and he, he's really instilled that within our entire company. Uh, he cares about the success of other people. He cares about the lives of other people. And I, I learned that at a very young age, and I was very lucky to learn that, is the people that work with you, you know, they're you know, their lives are impacted by what, by what you do every single day. And I tell this to our sales team all the time. I'm like, hey, when, when it's 4.59 and you're like, oh, it's almost five o'clock, I could call this prospect and make a sell or I can just go and, and have some fun and do whatever. What's the trickle effect of that? You make that call at 4.59, you sign that client. All of a sudden, our operations team has another client who is making TSEG more money who's allowing us to hire more people and pay our operations more and bonus more and and help their lives out. And all of a sudden, that operations person that worked late because of the client that you signed is getting a bonus, which is helping her family, allowing them to raise a family, buy a house. Uh, when I bought my first nice car and house, Joe is just ear to ear. Mm. So happy to have paid me what he would always say I deserved and I earned um, thrilled and that, that's really instilled in me and, and I hope everyone in our company uh, it's you guys all have about a great people team. you guys have an amazing team you really do and I remember one of the first conversations I had with Joe Joe said to me Maria I feel so good that I help my employees like I'm financially responsible for them and I love it when you know they're making money and they're successful. And that always stuck with me because it was early on in me coming into Law Rank. Although I always owned it, I didn't really work in it initially. And that stuck with me that he was like, it, I enjoy the fact that I'm providing jobs to people. So, but it's crazy. So you literally went from 22-year-old, just graduated college, hungover at Dave & Buster's, to now, 12 years later, the CEO of a eight-figure agency. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty wild story when you when you put it that way. I also met my wife working at TSEG. So I call in that day and my life is is completely different and changed. Um but at the end of the day, you know, I worked hard for it. Joe rewarded me and we kind of do that through our company. It doesn't matter what school you went to, it doesn't matter where you came from, how much experience you are. You have success in our company, you're gonna move up. Um, and we're going to put the right people in that job. Uh, and Joe's always stood by that. Like, you're going to earn what you get. And when we kind of stuck by that through our company and, and we kind of compensate that way, right? Like when we have clients, they're heavily commissioned on keeping that client forever and they're paid on that client forever. Like 10 years down the road, we still have that client. They're still getting paid. All right. So I really want to talk to you about mass torts because. A lot of our clients, like, as you know, we don't handle mass torts, but a lot of our clients are either getting into it or they do mass torts. So can you kind of 
walk us through that, like what you guys offer. So Mass Torts is an absolute riot, um, at least from a marketing standpoint and a litigating standpoint. Um, It is a wild industry, um, ton of competition, ton of possible money to be made, but it is a, a risky industry. So, you know, you hear about good things, like a good case can come your way. Zantac is a perfect example of this in recent, you know, months is everyone was so excited because there was really a clear link between people taking Zantac to multiple cancers. And, you know, lawyers went big in this, spent a ton of money, but they had bad judges, bad rulings, and it's, you know, it's not favorable right now. So it's looking that every dollar you could have invested in Zantac could return nothing. And do you think that's impacting lawyers' willingness to invest in mass torts? I think it definitely can, uh, for sure, right? But they need to understand that risk to invest because there's so many big wins in mass torts to where, you know, the returns are just huge on your investment. And, you know, there's there's people that buy private planes because something settled. Like they have that much money coming into the firm because of a big case hit and um, and it pays out. But you also have to realize that you can invest in this and, and get nothing back. So what if you were a lawyer? Would you invest in mass torts? 100%. How would you do it, though? So in mass torts, you really have to trust who you work with. Um, and when I say that, not only just from a marketing standpoint, but also a lawyer standpoint. Um, there's so many that come our way, but if you work with the right litigating lawyers, they will tell you, hey, this is the amount of risk, right? This is what we think is going to happen. Uh, we think this is a great case because of X. We think this could possibly pay within the next two to five years. You need that insider information before you kind of just say, oh, I heard Camp Lejeune is a good thing. Maybe I should throw half a million dollars at it because you need a, you need to have the right partner and the right lawyer to work with that you trust, that will take care of the cases that you send them to hopefully one day get a a good return on your investment. But how do you find that? Conferences, ask around. I mean, it's it's an easy conversation. Hey, I am considering sending you cases. How does this work? Obviously, the litigating firm is going to want to talk to you about that. Uh, They might be wanting to keep something secret, but at the end of the day, they make a relationship with you and they're getting cases sent with them sent to them while you're investing, obviously it's beneficial for them too. So ask, um, ask around, be open-minded, ask your business partners, not just lawyers, but people like us who run agencies and say, do you know anybody who is an expert in mass torts and anyone you trust that I could talk to, to kind of explore the whole industry itself and see if it's something I want to get involved in. So we were on a panel this weekend at Lottie Gras, where we're here now, And you said something um, that I think you should share about how all single event firms should have a page on their website for every mass store that is, you know, current. Can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I would do if I was a law firm. So let's, let's say you're a single event lawyer and your bread and butter is car accident cases. It's all you do. To do that, you have to invest in your website. You have to invest in your brand. You have to get people to know who you are so they contact you, hire you as a car accident lawyer. So if you're already investing in this, why are you not investing in or investing your time into something else that could turn into mailbox money, which was the whole thing we were talking about? People are already coming to your website, right? You already are ranking on the internet for your website. So if people are finding you, why not expand your practice areas and possibly help them out? 
right? Camp Lejeune was a big one that came out. And some of the biggest advertisers in the world spending millions and millions on marketing, they didn't even have a Camp Lejeune page on their website. And, and why? Because they didn't know it. They didn't know what it was about. They didn't want to spend the time to learn what was going on. And But what about handling the intake? Because I think that's one of the concerns, right? Yeah. And it, it's a missed opportunity if you don't. So on the intake side, obviously, you're a busy firm. You have a very you know, busy intake team. So you don't want to field calls for litigations you don't know anything about. You don't want to have to train them. You don't have to understand what's a good case, what's a bad case. So the way we recommend it to our clients is we have them put a page of content on their website. Let's take Tylenol, for example. We use a platform called Simply Convert for all of our clients. It is a chat bot that you can actually build the criteria into the chat bot. So let's say someone was had their child had autism and you think it's linked to Tylenol that you took. You find find their website, there's good content on it, but they read read through it. They can actually click on your chat bot, qualify or disqualify on the spot, and that could be referred to a litigating lawyer without you lifting a finger. So they signed the case as well? Yes. So simply convert could sign the case. Now you still want to have a good relationship with a litigating firm so we can refer that for you automatically because once it's signed, there's going to be more follow-up, more onboarding with the litigating firm. And you have to make that relationship before you just throw a page of content on your site. Otherwise, it's going to be a really bad experience because someone could qualify for Tylenol and then you're going to sit here and say, oh, well, I have a good case. Now now who do I need to send it to? Where, who do I need to contact? And by that time, you could already lose that client. So you have to have a setup, the process set up on the front end for you to really monetize this. And, and when you do that, you could throw 20 different litigations on your website, monetize them all. And then if one litigation works out, one doesn't, you're not all in on one. And oh, no, Zantac didn't work out. You're invested across the board naturally just by having a strong website and putting content on your website. And you're not talking about doing SEO specifically for these torts. You're just saying utilize the authority of your current website. And because Google tries to localize the search. So if somebody just types in Camp Lejeune Lawyer and you're a San Diego firm, they're in San Diego, they're near you, you're going to pop up. Is that the the theory? Absolutely. It's it's going to be localized. And, you know, there's we're very knowledgeable in this space because we've been in it for so long. The average person is not. They think a lawyer is a lawyer. They see your video or something and they say, oh, this is a lawyer. Maybe I should call them because I heard about Camp Lejeune on the radio and I need to hire a lawyer. Maybe I should call the lawyer that I heard of. They call you and then if your intake person answers the phone and they're like, hey, we don't handle that. They're going to just go to the next person and you just missed the opportunity to completely capitalize on your own brand, your own investment into saying, yes, we actually work with the best firm in the country that handles Camp Lejeune cases. I'll make an introduction to you, we'll transfer, and you get to turn that into a possible review and a good experience for a client that otherwise you would have just declined and not done anything with. Absolutely. I think about maybe like a tenth of our PI clients request these pages. And like, we'll write it for them. Like, we don't even charge them. But most of our clients, they don't, they don't want that at all. Yeah. And it's, it's blows my mind because it's just a huge missed opportunity. Why wouldn't you? Especially if you can set it up in the right way to where it's not any extra work on your end. It's something you're not even thinking of in the background. One day you get a check in the mail. But what if someone is like, no, we want to generate cases. 
Because for the way that I look at it, and I've actually tried to convince Mariano to take the fucking bar so that we can invest in mass torts because it's a way of investing pre-tax. If you think about that, that's crazy. You're investing money pre-tax. If somebody wants to invest in mass torts, there are so many ways to generate cases. How do you guys do that? And what are some of the different ways that other agencies or businesses do it? I think the way that we just talked about organically is is a great intro to mass torts. You get your feet, feet on the ground, you get to see cases really coming in, and you start working with litigating lawyers. Now, let's say that happens, and you find one you're really, really excited about. Um, you talk to, you know, Lanier that you're sending your Tylenol cases to, and, and he's very excited about them. He thinks it's going to go very well. And you say, hey, you know, I have this money I don't want to pay taxes on at the end of the year. Maybe I should throw this all at Tylenol and pick up as many cases as I can now. Um, it's a it's a really good way to do that because you've signed four already, you're you've made a relationship, and now you say, okay, I have the I have this amount of money, let me invest and see how many possible cases I can get. How can you help a firm generate cases, master cases? The way we do it on the paid side, it's it's pretty pretty similar. Like the lawyers don't have to do a ton of work. So a firm comes to us and they say, hey, you know, I want a hundred Tylenol cases. Um, we will, first of all, ask them, who are you sending these cases to? What's your criteria um, for signing these cases? And is that your whole budget? All right? Is that everything you want to throw out this? Or are you trying to test? Because that's a big, big question because the amount of cases you want to pick up at the end is going to affect your cost per case dramatically. Uh, because if you have a million set aside for a mass tort, and you say, hey, I'm going to throw this $50,000 at seven different companies and see who's the best. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. Really? Yeah. I would have thought that that'd be the best way to do it, to see who gives you the lowest cost, and then you move your money to whoever's giving you the lower cost. So tell me why that's not correct. It's a, it's a really bad move on your part. And many firms are proud that they do it this way. But all they're doing is they're just competing against themselves because they go to six, seven different companies most of them advertise in similar ways they all go to a few different platforms they take your fifty thousand dollars and they're very careful with how they're spending that money and you're on the same platforms with six different companies just competing against your own ads driving up the cost and it's something that they never really think about which is which is wild instead <clears throat> you give a company 500 grand and you say, I want these amount of cases, they can open up every platform they work on because they're not strapped with so, such a little budget. We can go to Google, we can go to Facebook, we can go to TikTok, we can go to you know, native advertising. There's so many platforms out there. And then you take that 500,000 and you spread it across all the platforms and you watch where you're getting the qual most qualified cases and the cheapest cases, and then you transfer the budget that way. But if you spread it out to seven companies, they're gonna pick one platform go to it, probably most of them are going to Facebook, especially with that small of a budget and just compete against yourself and then your cost per case is going to be high across the board. So how do you guys generate these cases? Multiple mass tort companies do it in different ways. Some of them just take everything off their plates. They guarantee a, a signed case number. They say, hey, if you have $200,000, we're going to get you 100 cases. And that's that. And they're going to say your cost per case is 2000 and that's the end of the deal. And they're going to send you signed cases. Positive about that, 
guaranteed number, right? It feels safer. It feel it feels safer. You gave them two hundred thousand. But do they tell you these are going to be? And we should talk about the tiers. But do they tell you like these are going to be tier one, tier two, tier three, or it's just typically you give them their criteria, your criteria, and then they'll create the cost per case off of that. So that company is deciding. Okay, we're generating these cases at X. We're going to mark up at X, um, and sell them for X. And typically, I mean, if if we were doing it that way, which we don't, you got to basically create enough of a margin to make sure that you're safe, because the market's fluctuating all the time. I guess my only concern with that, if I were the lawyer, is how do I know that I'm not just getting a bunch of shitty cases? That's also a problem um, with that strategy. I mean, you obviously have to trust the company you're working with, but it, it puts you in an interesting situation. A good example of that is a Zantac litigation. So one of my close friends, they did that. They said, hey, I'm just going to buy 100 cases for Zantac. They said, okay, guaranteed. I'm getting 100 cases for my, for my investment. It was Zantac. And looking back now, it wouldn't have mattered either way. But at the time... They sent they they got sent ninety eight cases of the same cancer diagnosis, and they're like, "Why? Why did we get ninety eight of the same when there's so many cancer diagnoses?" They found out afterwards that the other ten firms that company was working with were not taking that cancer because they started disqualifying it. So what happened when they were sending cases? They filtered all that one diagnosis cases to them because why wouldn't they? Otherwise, it's just a, a decline turndown. So you you could really get, you know, in trouble by doing that as a firm because you could just lose all of your cases. Now, Zantac ended up bad for everyone, but that's a good example of where you could get in trouble just buying cases because it's not your campaign. They're signing as many as possible and either round robining these cases or, you know, I don't know exactly how they do it, but I'm pretty sure most of them do the round robin. And some even take a percentage, correct? Correct. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um it's fi- like most of them do a percentage on the back end. And I'm shocked that lawyers don't just do quick math in their head, but they don't. I have a client who <clears throat> tested us against uh, another company who guaranteed a cost per case, but they took 5% on the back end. And, you know, we sent them cost per case numbers. They sent them cost per case numbers. He's like, you guys are getting crushed. And we're like, what do you mean we're getting crushed? And he's like, well, you guys are $200 more per case. And me being me, I immediately go, okay, well, how much are they taking on the back end? He goes, oh, only 5%. I was like, well, how much do you think each settlement is going to be? How much is your average fee on each? He answered me. And I was like, do the math. <laughs> what did he say? He, he laughed it off, but he, he ended up paying two and a half times the amount per case than he was getting through us because we had no back end fee. And... He wasn't a. Pre- he didn't love when I called him out about that, but right. it was pretty, well, pretty glaring, kinda. glaringly obvious. And and there's so many firms who don't even consider it. It's a problem in this industry, cost per case, because cost per case can mean so many different things. And <clears throat> lawyers' favorite thing to do is go to seven different companies and say, "What's your cost per case?" And but it's wh- not that simple. Whoever says the lowest, they sign up with. It is absolutely not that simple. Why? There's so many other things you need to ask. What's your drop-off rate? How many of these cases go through the full process? Um, what's the quality of these cases? There's many litigations like Camp Lejeune that have tier one, tier two, tier three diagnosis. Camp Lejeune is one of the only ones that have clear payouts already. 
I think tier one's like 400,000, whereas tier two, tier three, significantly lower. So if you're just looking at from a cost per case standpoint, then you're not looking at the real picture. What's your cost per case for tier one? What's your cost per case for tier two? What criteria are you even asking about? Like a lot of people think like, oh, Tylenol cases, they're all the same. It's not because some people's criteria is much slimmer. So your cost per case is going to be higher, but you're going to have a much more quality and higher valued case. So you have to be very, very careful on what that cost per case means. We make people work for it because when they say, what's your cost per case on X, we make them give their full criteria to us, every little nuance, every little detail. So we give them a real price. Do you help them find the firm that they should be referring? Absolutely. If, if someone's looking to invest in a litigation and they say, who's, who's the ones handling it? We will make those introductions. So what are the other ways that law firms can generate cases, like the structures? So you could buy leads straight up, right? They're going to send you a bunch of leads. Your intake has to handle it or you have a call center and then refer it out. I would not at all recommend that. It just adds another step in the process because you're getting a lead that then you then have to chase and follow up and try to get on the phone. You're qualified to sign case there is just not good because you just have a lead at that point that you have to go harass to try to sign up. Um, you, you really have to strike while the iron's hot. There's so many lawyers out there, so much competition, people spending millions and millions of dollars on this. When they call you, you got to close that immediately. <clears throat> Make sure they know you're the best firm to work with and no one else. So you close the case, refer it, it's done. If you don't do that, you're going to lose that. And that's really the biggest reason why we don't do leads because they'll, at the end of the day, you're going to send $100 or 100 leads and who knows how many they get a hold of, maybe 10. The way that we found it is the best way to generate cases is run ads to a very qualified landing page. We use Simply Convert for this. Have the criteria built in. So you're already immediately filtering out so many leads and so much wasted time. And this is an extensive quiz. It's 10 questions with all the qualifiers. What were the dates you were stationed there? You know, what what is your diagnosis? All these questions filter out 70, 80% of your bad leads that otherwise you would have called and harassed and texted and tried to get on the phone just to find out they didn't qualify in the first place. It's an essential tool. When we started using it, it dropped our cost per case phenomenally because there was, there was so much wasted money that we didn't see until we started using this process. And you want to sign them on the spot when they qualify. Once you sign them, you get the rest of the information, you get them on the phone, hand it off to the referring firm, and you're good to go. And when you do this, are you running one big, big campaign and then pulling from that for different firms? Or does each firm get their own individual campaign? Every firm has their own campaign. Um, the round robin shared campaign, it's got a bad name in the industry. For yeah, I don't trust it. That's what yeah. I'm asking. Okay. And you just don't know, right? But every lead that comes through your campaign goes to you when you work with us. Um, and, and you can see everything. You can see every lead coming through. Now, when you run these campaigns, are they the firm's brand or a different brand? We use our brand um, because of bad pub, like bad publicity. like And all the trolls. Yeah. And do you guys, are you guys deleting the comments? I can just imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's a full-time job in itself. And as you can imagine, Facebook crowd or TikTok crowd, they don't love lawyers. 
ambulance chasers, scumbag, blah, this, that, much worse comes through our comments. It's out of control. I actually feel bad for the people that have to go through our comments and delete because they're absolutely ridiculous. Um, so we use our brand and <clears throat> lawyers, you can use your own brand for sure, but you have to be very mindful that they can see your brand on an ad and go to your Google and leave you a bad review. It's happened many times, especially when you're running a ton of ads. And most of our clients realize that, you know, the benefit of our branding being on that is not as good as, you know, it's not worth risking the bad review. So <clears throat> if you were a lawyer, you said the first thing you would do is get those pages up on your website. But how would you and would you diversify to make sure that like if somebody only put all their money in Zantac, it sounds like that's probably wasn't the smartest thing. And like, would you wait until what point would you start investing? Um, like right when it comes out that it might be a case or later on. Can you kind of talk to us about that? Yeah, it's a huge thing too, because when you hear about something, it's typically too late. When you hear about a litigation at Mass Torts Made Perfect, people have been advertising on that for five, six months. Not to mention, especially when people are really excited about Mass Tort. Uh, NEC was a big Mass Tort two years ago. It's still going on, um, valuable cases. But everyone was talking about it, Mass Torts Made Perfect. So what did people do? They all were like, oh, I got to get in on this. And they all gave money to different companies to run ads. We saw the cost per case triple the next month in October because everyone jumped in and drove the cost through the roof. You know, there's, there's your audience and people are still getting diagnosed every single day. In this case, it was babies. But the volume just wasn't there for the amount of cases that people wanted. So you have to be really careful about that. Um, the the easiest answer is earlier the better, but you may not even hear about it at that point. But if, if it's early, the risk is probably higher, but the cost per case is lower. Is that risk, what you're saying? Risk can be higher, but your cost is tremendously lower. Many people hear about litigations um, and they were like, ah, oh, humming and hawing. I don't know. There's It's not clear liability. In that time, other people are picking up cases quickly and in, a, in big volumes. Um, and that's that's really how, how a lot of the firms are so successful. They have so many cases in every single litigation. They get in early, they get in smart, and they get out when it's too expensive. So if someone's interested in doing this and they contact you, would you help them in saying, hey, this is the time to get in on this? We watch all the trends of the pricing in real time for everything that we're running. Uh, we use an algorithm that is just only watching the cost per case, the trends, and the expected return on investment. And that, that really drives our recommendations. So we factor in everything. We factor in sign rates. We factor in drop-off rates. We factor in the time it's going to take to get paid. So some of these litigations could last five to 10 years. Some are expected to pay out in six months, some two years. It's, it's almost impossible to predict. But we try our best to talk with the litigating lawyers to see, okay, w when do you think this is really going to settle? And we put that into our algorithm to figure out what would be the best investment right now. And we're open and honest with our clients about that. We think these are the four things you should be in right now. And what are some of the biggest mistakes you see firms make when it comes to investing in mass torts? Some of the biggest mistakes that lawyers make are that they go in blind. Um, they hear about something, they get excited about it, and they're just like, hey, yeah, let me throw this 
let me throw a bunch of money at this and, and I'll get cases. It'll be fine. And they don't really stay on top of whoever they're working with. Uh, we've, we've, people have gotten into some big trouble with this. Uh, we've had our own ad and employee talking on that ad completely stolen and ran by another company. It was an actual employee of ours talking on the ad and another company took that, ran it on their own ad, same thing. I called the company that was the company that was responsible for it and they had no clue. They were like, oh, that's that's one of our affiliate companies. Like, I had no idea. Sorry. And you're trusting that person with potentially millions of dollars and that's going to fall on you. If, if we really wanted to sue them, we could have. It would have fallen back on the lawyer. Um, and, and that has happened recently in this industry to where Camp Lejeune got out of control. There were companies soliciting random people saying, your settlement check is ready. Click here to claim. It's a lie. There is no settlement check ready. And it's people that hadn't comp- contacted them in the first place. Um, and that ended up in two lawsuits for lawyers. And it's a, a big problem in our industry. Um it's caused a lot of issues and it's it's a big topic and I still don't think people are taking it seriously enough. But how do you make sure that the agency or business that you're working with is reputable and isn't going to get you sued? I feel like that's tough. It is. It is very tough. People are saying multiple things about different companies. Oh, you could trust them. You can't trust them. The only way to do it is make them contractually sign something. Uh, we, that says what? We have been signing anything that comes our way, are you fully TCPA compliant? And that transfers the liability from the law firm onto the marketing company. And we're happy to sign that. We're, we're actually very happy that it's going to this direction because that will make the bad actors have to sign something and then all of a sudden their liability, maybe they will stop soliciting people with wrong information, getting them to sign up because it really does mess this industry up and and makes us all look bad. So I would make not only the company that you're working with sign a TCPA compliance um, contract with you, you need to ask them, are you working with any affiliate marketers? What call center do you use? Have Mm -hmm. they signed this contract with you? Because unfortunately, many of these companies, they have so much budget, they're trying to deploy it to multiple different companies to spend it. And they're just cutting corners and they're like, hey, I trust these people and they're going with it. And they may have great intentions. And then the company that they trusted with their client's money does something illegal and that falls back on the firm. The crazy part is we're still getting these solicitation text messages. So basically, people just started texting random phone numbers saying, hey, your settlement check is ready. If you stay at Camp Lejeune, click here, getting them to sign up, like soliciting. Like wow. as bad as you can get, um, lying in ads. It's it was very very vicious, and it beca- came this way because it was so competitive, and there was so much money in this industry that people resorted to wild wild things, and this kind of goes all the way back to cost per case. What does that cost per case mean? If you if someone quotes you five hundred dollars a case, and you're like, oh, that sounds great. What are those cases? How are they getting them? How are they generating them? Um, are they quality cases? That's all things you have to really consider and keep an eye on um, when you're running your campaign because they could be doing things either illegal, unethically, um, or getting you bad cases. There was fake signups that were happening, like fabricating. The, 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 their call center was saying, hey, you need to say this on the phone in order to qualify. 
straight up lies that were recorded and it's turned into the wild west it's a crazy industry it is so you guys started in single event right yes okay so obviously i don't do any mass sorts but i go to mass sort made perfect and i know so many people in this space and it always like shocks me the difference of like how competitive and aggressive and like it feels like such a different world than pi like for those of you listening in pi that think that PI is like so competitive and, you know, your competitors are leaving you fake reviews and, you know, your GMB is getting suspended and all this shit. It's like mass torts at a whole other level. Do you agree? I 100% agree. I'm sure like friends of mine that are competitors of yours are going to be pissed that I had you on. I'm sure. Yeah, you'll get messages about it. Which is crazy because this doesn't happen in PI. Like, you're technically a competitor for SEO and you're on my own podcast. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's such a different world. And I think it's just the more money, the more greedy people get. It's cutthroat. There's been multiple lawsuits between mass tort companies in this industry. I'd say the lawyers kind of have to take some of the fall for this. The lawyers need to work harder. It doesn't, it can't just be this cost per case and saying, hey, I gave you, I'm going to give you 10 million and you better deliver. They give their money to the lowest bidder, um, no matter who they are, how reputable they are. In the last two years, I've never seen so many random mass tort marketing companies just pop out of nowhere because of Camp Lejeune and the excitement, all the money flowing in this industry. All of a sudden, everybody was a mass tort company. And lawyers trusted them with it. They just looked at the cost per case that everyone's sending around. They just picked the lowest, not considering any other factors. You have to really research these company companies. Talk to who's using them, who's not using them. Don't just trust someone because they replied to an email and said $500 and that was the lowest you saw that day. Um, that's going to get you in trouble and it's caused a big problem in the industry. And I think this is why we are in the situation we're in. Can you say how much you guys uh, spend in ads per month in yeah. that store? Um, we spend about $30 million a year. So Jesus Christ. That is what? crazy. And we're not even close to the biggest spenders. Not even close. How many firms do you work with? And mass sorts, not single event. On a consistent basis, probably 50 to 100. Um, but we've probably worked with 200 to 250 mass tort lawyers. It's very different than PI. It ebbs and flows, right? Like some people will just say, hey, I want to spend X amount on this mass tort and I'm out. It makes sense. They get their cases and they're good. So, But how do you... Like if you say, okay, this is such a shady industry, what have you guys done to differentiate yourselves from other vendors out there? Always make sure to do everything ethically. Um, try to improve every single day and do what's best for the client. And I'm not just talking about the lawyer client. I'm talking about the actual client. Um, this is a, another problem we haven't touched on is you throw an ad out there and what is the impact of that ad? Uh, sex abuse has been a big, big topic in a, in a case that's that's been going on the last few years. And you should see some of these ads. You don't want to throw a bunch of dollar signs on a sex abuse ad. Like, how is that helping the client in any way, shape, or form? You want to empower that client who's been abused, who's scared to talk to anyone about this. Give them resources and and get them to understand that you're the lawyer that could actually help them from the beginning the ad, your landing page, all the way to the sign up and the process. You have to be very, very empathetic and careful with what you say um, and, and give them real resources that will help them in real life. 
And that's how you get great clients and actually help people. The people you're getting from others that are just throwing up dollar signs, dollar bills in their face are not people that are going to be great clients. They're people that just want a quick, quick check. It's funny you say that because I just had Taylor Dordick on and they had a sexual assault case that their verdict was $2.28 billion, not million, billion dollars. And she said to me, whenever we have a sexual assault case, it's never about the money. It's never about that for the victim. So you are right. Yeah, they, they don't care about the money. Like, obviously, you want to help them, but you have to help them in every way possible, not just a check. Um, and, and it starts from the ad, and, and many lawyers overlook that. They just want the lowest cost, and that's all they care about. But $2.8 billion in one case. If, if they threw money in that person's face right away, you're never going to get that case. Um, cost per case, just I, I keep saying this, but it means so much more. It's about quality. It's about doing it the right way. Um, just because you get a thousand cases and all of a sudden 500 of them just wanted to sign up thinking they'd get a quick check, you can't get a hold of them, your cost per case just doubled. All factors you need to take in, in, into account. And that's, I'd say, what we've really looked at and, and, you know, gone after for all of our clients is not only how do we help, you know, our client get cases, but how do we help the victims or the survivors um, that have been through all these things and get them help that they need and get them to the best lawyer. And it, it, it kind of all works together. Um, and that might not be the cheapest cost per case that you see out there, but you're going to get better cases, happier clients, um, and the people that we worked with for for a long time, they trust us to do that. Um, and we're going to continue operating that way because it's it's been very successful and it helps people. It's not just throwing money in their face. Thank you so much to Chris Massaro for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.